I'm Tim. I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I'm really grateful and glad to be here. And uh, I got to say, that's the first time anyone has ever accused me of being a PhD, <laughs> ever. Um, so that was very sweet. Thank you. Um, so uh, the book says something to the effect of, uh, you know, when, when you're making the approach, to tell them exactly what happened. Exactly what happened to you. Um, so uh, I'm going to do that. Um, I want to say, I'm, I'll start by saying this. I know uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, the self-centered fear um, has been with me from day one. Before I ever drank before I ever found something to obsessively occupy my mind, even before the alcohol. Um, as far back as I can remember, being a, a child, a baby, I have memories of, I spent all of my time constantly afraid. I could never be alone. Um, I needed my mom way more than I'd like to admit. Um, you know, I, I always, um, I had to have someone. I needed attention. I didn't feel okay. Um, I never felt safe. Uh, I just, I knew, and it, it wasn't even like something, certainly then, um, that I could verbalize, but it was a state of existence. Um, this overwhelming um, existence. And so, um, Moving into uh, the earliest years I can remember into um, some of the memories that are a little bit more profound uh, or traumatic. Um, uh, my father uh, was and still is an addict to this day. Um, he's not had any real shred of sobriety that I can recall. Um, and uh, he and my mother uh, I'm, and I would, so, you know, I, I couldn't be alone, so I would sneak out of my bed at night, and I would come and sit on the stairs, and I'd listen to them fight and argue, um, because that was better than being by myself in my room. Um, and there was, it just confirmed for me that things weren't okay. Um, and um, Going through their divorce process, I was very much so in the middle. My father's drug use uh, was extraordinary. I mean, he would do, my mom loves fucking plants and she had all these plants in the house and he would do stuff like get high, real high. And I guarantee, I, cause you know, later in my use, I, I, I understand what he was thinking. He looked at those plants and he was like, Someone's got to trim them fucking things. <laughs> and I guarantee it started with one leaf, but by the time he was done, it was 25 nubs. Just no branches, no nothing. And, um, and so, um, you know, I, having my father as my father and being in the middle of that and sort of like being my mother's therapist and just, uh, you know, feeling very much so in the middle and, and not being able to, um, if I ever tried to voice my emotions um, or how I felt, it was very much so met with a, you know, well, you just think I'm a bad parent. You know, there was not much in the way of um, 
receiving uh, anything that even then I was capable of uh, putting out from an emotional standpoint. So um, I wasn't safe uh, literally where I lived. I wasn't safe to share how I felt or how I thought. Um, and, and this is just how I felt. I can look back on that now. At, then at that time, I just, you know, I, I just knew that everything was wrong. And I, uh, I went to, um, my parents split and the whole time I go, to, I went to this Christian private school and it was great. Um, uh, but I always felt very different because I knew that my, like my friends around me, like their dads were not getting high in the bathroom and locking them out of it, not feeding them for two days. Like I know that shit wasn't happening. And, um, I know, um, that at least for most of my friends, uh, and the people I was around that, you know, their, you know, their, uh, mothers weren't dating the bad boy, you know? Uh, and uh, people that were abusive emotionally, and I just it, I get these constant uh, confirming facts in my mind that um, that I'm different, and I learned real young that I had to lie and manipulate if I was to skate by and slide by uh, my environment without being detected. Um, you know, I uh, I put on this front at school, which is where I spent most of my time, that everything was okay. And none of my friends knew about any of the stuff that was going on. I was very much ashamed of it. Um, and uh, I just wanted to be accepted. And being a ginger, uh, you know, kids are fucking mean, man. I, I did, uh, it, it was not always uh, uh, fun or easy. Um, uh, being the, uh, the, uh, ginger kid that's always in trouble, uh, knowing, you know, kids weren't allowed to hang out with me, they weren't allowed to go to my house, uh, and that was without parents knowing about the actual situation, that was just through my behavior, you know, I was like, constantly acting out, um, and so I live my life in this facade, um, this lie that things were okay. And, you know, the school counselor, the principal, the teachers would pull me aside, ask me, you know, what's wrong? You know, is there anything going on at home? And I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. Everything's good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And uh, it's funny, you know, I just now, it just came to me how much of that continued to perpetuate itself, especially once I picked up the drink. Um, Mm. So, yeah. Um, which brings me to my first drink. I was, I was 12, it was my 12th birthday. And uh, I, uh, me and my friend, Corey, conned my mom into buying us a six pack of like woodchuck daiquiri or something like that. It was just, I don't know, it looked good. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, my mom relented, and we went to my grandmother's house. My grandmother's cooking me this uh, this big birthday dinner, and uh, me and my friend, we start drinking. I mean, it tastes like shit, you know? It wasn't good. Um, he drank half of his because it didn't taste good, and I drank the rest of them. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so it was ever since. Um, but... 
uh, what happened in that night is a microcosm for what continued to, um, on a much smaller scale, but what continued to perpetuate itself throughout my drinking career and the rest of my life, um, I, I got a taste of it. And uh, when I drank the rest of those drinks, I remember looking at him. I said, why aren't you drinking that? He's like, I don't like it. It doesn't taste good. And it didn't. I'm like, what? And I, I remember standing on my grandmother's back porch. And I'm from Nashville. And she had some land. And uh, it, it was beautiful. The sun was setting. It was the middle of summer. I was out there by myself. And I just... I, rem- I remember the feeling. I could, it's like I can feel it now. It was the way I describe it. And the only way I've ever been able to describe it is just everything stopped. And I felt really good. Better than I'd ever felt. And it wasn't long. Uh, you know, I wanted to hang out with the kids that had home lives like me, you know? Go figure, they were the ones in trouble and uh, drinking at 12 and 13. So uh, it wasn't long before I had my next opportunity to drink. And before I move on from that, what happened that night, I, I have that moment, I have that bit of relief, and then it was immediately followed by nausea and sickness and it was terrible. I mean, those things, it was like, it's like sugar and a lot of liquor in it, you know what I mean? Um, and the room was spinning. I couldn't eat my birthday dinner. I felt terrible. Um, but the next opportunity I had to drink was at a friend's house. And he said, hey, man, my mom's got this bottle of Canadian mist. Do you want some? I said, yeah. <laughs> yes. Drink it, you know. Um, and the thoughts of how miserable I felt and how sick and nauseous I was never once came to my mind. Um, and I drank that Canadian mist the same way I drank those daiquiris. Uh, All of it, you know? Um, So, um, you know, drinking um, from the first drink gave me, um, gave me a break from myself. I've heard it shared in this room that um, if you had met me as a kid, you would have, you would say that kid needs a drink. And I was that kid and I needed a drink. Uh, and, uh, shortly after that, I, I started, uh, the natural progression of things, at least for me was I, you know, I started smoking weed and getting into other drugs and I uh, almost not, not even within a month of me finding my new focus and purpose in life, I started getting arrested regularly. I mean, I could not not get arrested. I was so good at that. That was the best. And um, what became abundantly clear almost immediately is that I couldn't stop. Um, I was on state probation and should have been put in a boy's home multiple times. And if it wasn't for something like the changing of a judge... uh, um, it never happened, uh, but I couldn't not fail a drug test. I mean, I would go one month, I would go two months, 
uh, I'd go maybe a whole three months, but the whole time I'm drinking and using up until the day until, and I get the phone call and it's like time to drink that gallon of water. Where's that niacin? Let's do it. You know? Um, and I was willing to subject, and I don't know if any of you have drank a gallon of water in a six hour period. Let me tell you that shit's not fun. Um, but it was, that was a small price to pay for, um, how it felt to be who I was. Uh, for five fucking minutes, you know, it was the choice. I mean, there was no choice. I didn't recognize that then. Um, you know, and all these failed drug tests, eventually I got into my first outpatient rehab. Swear to God, didn't hear a word. I know it, it, I mean, I know steps were talked about and we went to meetings and stuff. I don't remember any of it. And it wasn't just cause I was so loaded. I was just not, I, it was I mean, even from my family, you know, my, my mom would be like, it's just weed, you know? Why? You shouldn't have to be going, oh, this is all bullshit. I'm like, right? You know? What the fuck, man? Um, now, throughout, throughout this, uh, I'm still carrying on this, this persona um, at school, you know, and I'm trying to maintain a certain reputation, even though I know I don't deserve it. Um, I'm lying. I'm missing exams because I'm, you know, rolling out of juvenile detention, putting on clothes in my dad's car to make it to the tests. And uh, finally, I get asked to leave this school. And, uh, you know, throughout, they kindly asked me not to return, right? <laughs> throughout this whole, and, and this, it's important that I touch on this because my relationship with God today and my relationship with God then is a very, very different thing. And my mother um, is very much a hippie and she has her own spiritual practice and she lived at an ashram off and on um, throughout my childhood. So I had this exposure to this very different um, spiritual side of life um, than all of uh, the people in my immediate circle. And I also, you know, I was always a kid in trouble and I always felt like, you know, these Christian religious people are fucking hypocrites and fuck them. And, uh, you know, I, I've been wronged in this and, um, you know, I, I, I just, when people would talk about God and I would, I would, you know, we'd go to like retreats for school and stuff and I'd see everyone get so fucking enthused and involved and I'm like you guys are so whack you know I was yeah. I wanted to hate on that because and I, you know now I, th I think it's because I, I, I was incapable of accessing whatever it was that they were you know able to participate in I couldn't or I wouldn't or both I don't know um, but I had a bad taste in my mouth right from that experience right or wrong and it was wrong right um but uh so anyway they asked me kindly not to return to the school and at this point a few pivotal things happened for me in my life and it all happens in a very short amount of time um leaving that school which was really the only thing holding it together um from a discipline standpoint and somewhere i really had to be or show up at or um, and after I left that school, the, the wheels fell off the wagon. My mother started dating one of my friends who was also a drug dealer. He's a few years older than me. So my house overnight became the dope spot, and I no longer had anyone to tell me what the fuck to do. And, uh, boy, I thought that was great. 
who's <laughs> like best case scenario, you know? Um, I've got no rules. I've got no one breathing down my neck. I can get anything I want, anytime I want. It's all good. I can pass out on the kitchen table, no problem. I don't really have to go to school tomorrow. So I didn't graduate high school, needless to say. Uh, <laughs> I did try a little. I didn't try. But <laughs> uh, I, I, had a, I got really good at having fun, though. You know? I got really good at um, getting high and getting drunk. You know, uh, my house was the place everyone wanted to be because, you know, their parents were in their right minds and they would never allow that shit at their house, you know, but you can come to mine, you know, and uh, that created the breeding ground for what was already happening in my life. And that was complete unmanageability. Um, my life, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions were unmanageable way before I drank those daiquiris. Um, but you know, um, enter in any drug you want, uh, anytime you want it. And me drinking the way I've drank since the first time I drank and, uh, things continued to get really unmanageable. Like I said, I didn't graduate high school. I started to pick up, um, so I, I went to the only, um, I did, however, get off state probation after six years of failing all those drug tests. <laughs> I did do that. By sheer luck, or, or God allowed it, I don't know. But um, so, and all that happened at the same time. You know, I get off the state probation, no more school. I've got everything I want from a substance standpoint available to me. And after, um, Recognizing that I wasn't going to, you know, uh, be a PhD, <laughs> I started doing what I saw happening around me. I started, you know, selling everything I needed to sell and doing what I had to do in that regards to fund my use at this point. Um, and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, in terms of really. Um, I think I was at the point of no return the first time I drank, but this was what really, I made, I made the turn, um, for the ultimate worst at that point, because now, you know, I was always the poor kid. I was always the one that, you know, my friends had to fucking buy me lunch cause my parents couldn't afford to, you know what I mean? And now I had some change in my pocket and you couldn't tell me shit. You could not tell me shit. I got to live the way I wanted to. I could get as high as I wanted to. I could stay up for as many days as I wanted to. I could be the worst, nastiest human being. Just gross. And you couldn't tell me nothing because I woke up with money in my pocket. You know? What are you going to say to me? You tell me the way I'm living isn't working out? Because for me, it was perfect. You know? So... Um, I lived like that for years. And at a point in time, I thought, this is how I'm gonna live the rest of my life. This is it, I fucking made it. Uh, and I was wrong. It did not uh, work out the way I envisioned it. Um, I drank and snorted all of my money. Um, the people that were in my life, um, down to the people that I was making them a lot of money, they did not want anything to do with me. I was 
out of completely out of my rabbit ass mind. No one could control me, could tell me anything, and uh, I ended up um, I ended up back on my on my mom's couch, right. Um, so now I have a you know a, a three thousand dollar you know a week cocaine and, and alcohol habit, uh, conservatively speaking, um, and I'm on my mother's couch, and I'm humiliated, and I I'm I'm broken, and I've gone through some really bad relationships, and you know I'm realizing that you know, maybe this wasn't the best career choice and no, I could go back to school, but I hadn't had my ass kicked badly enough yet. You know, I could, I could still, I could get the job at the restaurant down the street. You know, I still had some friends that, you know, they remember how good I took care of them. You know what I'm saying? So they, they call me on, on Thursday, Friday night, Tim, come out. Don't worry about it, bro. I got you. You know, I still had enough to cling to, um, to say it's going to be okay, I could still lie to myself and say it's going to be all right. And um, I floundered that way for uh, another three, four years. But eventually, I began to recognize a pattern, and this is the pattern. <clears throat> um, I'm not going out Thursday night. I'm gonna wait till Friday night. It's Wednesday night. I'm going out. Uh, I, suddenly, it's Saturday, and I've been awake the entirety of that week. I've been doing nothing but drinking. Any responsibilities that I had during that time, it's just turn the phone off, fuck that. Um, you know, job after job, uh, very toxic uh, relationship after toxic relationship. Uh, the same thing is repeated over and over again. I wake up that Monday, I'm gonna get it together, I'm gonna get the job, I'm gonna sort things out with her, I'm gonna get that fixed, you know, uh, and, uh, and I'm good. I'm good, man. I've got a plan, dude. And it's going to work. It never worked. Ever. I mean, I could pick, pick one piece of the puzzle. I could get the job, you know, but if I could only just not go out on, on, on Wednesdays, if I could just wait till Fridays. And I, I played this song and dance for years trying to crack the code. Um, I got to a place where... I went out again, and me and my friends at this time had a running joke. We're going out for one beer. We'd all laugh, you know, because, like, that's funny, right? You know, what is, you, no, I'll see you in two days because we'll still be together, you know. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and that was really funny to us. And uh, I went out again. You know, I... The girlfriend's calling. I turn the phone off again. Uh, I drank the way I always did again, even though I said I wasn't going to. I'm still up. Here comes the sun. I hear those fucking birds, you know, and I'm going to I'm not going to go to work again. I'm going to lose this job again. And I'm. At this apartment, I don't even want to be there. I don't even like the people that I'm around again. And I'm laying down, and something happened to me that, like, I look back now, and I can say it was a spiritual experience. Uh, I just, it felt like 
I, it felt like the loneliness and coldness of that moment. I'm, I'm laying in bed and I just, I broke down. I was weeping, crying. And I'd never felt that alone. Um, and it, it's not even something that I can really articulate. It was like a, it was like a, it's being, it felt like my spirit died. It felt like my soul died. Like I, it was, it was like for the first time in my life, I really felt how miserable and how lonely and how sad I was. And I mean, I've, I've never cried like that, you know, um, not like that. And I remember, and like, you know, there's someone there with me and she's like, uh, are you okay? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, and, uh, can I help you? I was like, no. And, uh, but I remember praying, right? And I, I had said lots of prayers before so many times, you know, like, you know, God, if you, you, you know, let me see tomorrow, I won't do it again. And, you know, if, uh, if you let me pass this piss test, whatever. Um, and, but this was different. I, 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 I asked God, I said, God, you help, help me. You have to help me. I need help. Please help me. And when I woke up the next day, I didn't feel any different. Um, in fact, if anything, I was, you know, I was embarrassed, you know, because no one had ever seen me get like that. And even though it was one person, it felt, it felt uncomfortable. It felt alien to me to have, you know, I was completely raw, you know. And uh, I remember mentioning it to my buddy just like, yeah, man, I cried like a bitch last night, you know? And, uh, and he was like, whatever, you know? And, uh, and that next night, nothing changed. I went out and I did the same exact thing I said I wasn't going to do the night before. But something changed. Uh, my actions didn't, but my, my perception and my understanding of my immediate surroundings, how I felt and the realities of the people around me within the context of my relationships, those people changed immediately. And I'm sitting there trying to find that place. And I remember here towards the end, and this was the end, I would find that moment where I could get to that deep breath. I would literally, all the riffraff, go out to the club, come back after party, I don't care. I'm trying to hit that one spot where it's like, and I would, Actively, I could be in mid-conversation with someone and I would go, huh? You know? And then it's gone. Because <laughs> shit you not, I did that. And, um, and now I knew that wasn't coming. I immediately became a buzzkill. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, overnight, I'm like, I'm looking at, and I'm like, it's, you know, it's different people, same situation, it's all the same thing, and it's like, you know, the book says something about having, you know, the scales were removed from my eyes, and Bill's story, like, you know, for the first time, all of the bullshit that I've been selling myself was like cast to one side, and I was like, really inside of myself, and I'm like, this is miserable. These people are miserable. I'm going to fucking die and I have to do something drastic and I'm, nothing's ever going to change unless everything changes. 
Um, and I'm like sitting there and you know, it's like, it's like 2 a.m. and we're outside smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, do you guys want to do like, are we going to do this forever? You know, <laughs> you know, and everyone's like, uh, are you okay, man? I'm like, no, I'm not okay, man. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I almost got into a fight with one of my friends. I was like, he was like trying to convince me into getting into this hustle with him that was super shady. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't live like this anymore, man. And he's like, you think you're better than me? I'm like, no, I'm we're on the same back porch, you know. But and then, you know, that to me was also was like, I know that I'm not, and I know that nothing's ever going to change. And uh, I believe that when I had that moment and I cried out. And I genuinely asked God to, to help me. What happened is I was given enough grace and a thought was put into my mind that I'd never considered in my life. And I knew that I had to leave and I had to go to rehab. I had to leave and I had to go to rehab. And it got louder and louder and louder. And within a week, I made a phone call to a friend that had gotten sober years before me and I was in a treatment center. And... Uh, the power of that is that preceding that moment for me, I had n- was not on my radar. I was going to fix it. Remember? I was going to figure it out. Um, but something happened to me then, and I went all in. You know, this is my, this is a little over four years ago. I was all in. And I was captain recovery. I mean, the only time that I was down is when I got off the plane and I'm in Vegas. I went to treatment in Vegas of all places. And I get get off the plane and like the weekend's playing in the fucking airport and like people are gambling stuff. And I remember just having this feeling like, are you serious? Like, I'm really here. Um, But when I got to treatment and... Uh, I started meeting with counselors and they started telling me like, you know, you, you need to work steps and they would have meetings come in. It was the first time in my life I heard any of that stuff. You know, I had to go get my paper signed a lot, dude, a lot. And I never heard a word. Um, I moved. I never went back to Nashville, never moved back to Nashville. I haven't lived, lived there since. And I moved... Uh, after treatment, after 30 days in treatment, I was separated from alcohol. Um, I don't know how cleared my brain was, but I was separated. Um, I moved into a halfway house, no car, no job. You know, I didn't have shit. But I was starting over. I wasn't in the mess that I'd made, and I had a clean slate. Um, and I did what people told me to do. I, you know, I went to intensive outpatient, step down outpatient. I went to meetings all the fucking time. I got a sponsor as soon as possible. First guy didn't work out. Got another sponsor. The second I heard someone speak and I was like, I knew I wanted what that guy had. I went through the steps with him. I got sponsees. Uh, and I was able to enjoy, well, enjoy a year of sobriety and, um, But eventually I relapsed. I relapsed at around 14 months. And it contained a powerful lesson for me. Um, I was, I'm very grateful for that 14 months of sobriety because I learned and was able to get through. And I mean, I grew up in those 14 months more than I ever could have on my own. I got to experience the promises of the program. I got to see life from a completely different point of view. 
Um, and I would always hear people talking about relapsing and I would say to myself, I'm like, how, what do you mean? Like, have you, like after having time, I'm like, you know, I'm like, how, man, if you feel as good as I do. And then people would be like, it's so hard to come back. And I, that would blow my mind. I'd be like, what do you mean? Life's so much better like this. Um, well, that's cause it hadn't happened to me yet. You know, I learned by experience, man. That's it. I wish there was another way for me, but there's not. There's just not. And today is the most powerful part of my life. Uh, but uh, to make a long story short, um, I, co- I copped to resentment. Um, I felt like I had the right to be resentful. Someone um, hurt me in a way that I felt justified about being angry about. Everyone I talked to confirmed that. They're like, yeah, man, that's fucked up. (laughs) You know? Um, And I festered in that, and this is what began to happen. I always had this idea that there was the drunk Tim that did all the horrible, slimy, nasty shit that I continued to drink over because I couldn't look at uh, for years and years and years. Um, And then there was Tim. There was me. Who's this guy? And I was a pretty good dude, you know? This thing just got a hold of me and life wasn't very fair. And when I drank, I did things that I didn't really mean to do, you know? But deep down, I wasn't that bad. Well, that was not the truth. And I found that out in sobriety and I'm very grateful for that today. But as that resentment grew and grew and grew, I began to do the very things that I was so ashamed of in my use and in my alcoholism that I thought I could never do sober, but I did it and I did it again and I did it again and I did it again and then I drank. Um, You know, I don't know that... I don't know, I just, you know... I hear people say, it's like, you know, this doesn't have to be the last time you drink. And I believe that, you know, if, if I'm working a solid program, do I get that resentment? Do you know, but for me and my life, I just can't imagine having an experience any differently because I did not understand, uh, what it meant to be, have, to be powerless over alcohol and to have my life be unmanageable with or without alcohol. Um, I I found out um, that alcohol, as a byproduct of that, was a symptom of my thinking, which leads to my actions. Um, And when those things go unchecked and when I'm not working a program, I'm capable of anything I've ever done drinking. And I've... You know, so and I was out, you know, I was out for a while and uh, I would come into meetings. I'd try and get back in. And, you know, the first time I told you I was Captain Recovery, I'm hearing all this good shit. I'm like, life's going to get better. This is awesome. Uh, trying to get back in. Let me tell you something. I, I hated being in this room. I could not stand to listen to people talk. I'd walk in, I'd be like, man, I'm getting out. Could not sit still in my chair, 
nails on a chalkboard, every cliche you've ever heard about that. It was, I, and, and I knew sitting in those rooms, trying to get back in, bouncing in and out, that I was screwed. I knew I was screwed. Um, but I, I, I couldn't get, I, I, I could not or would not get back in here. I had to have my ass kicked again, man. And, uh, and finally I did. And this time was very different. Uh, this stint of sobriety was very different from that first and only other stint of sobriety. This time I had a little girl. You know, I was, I'm in a relationship with someone I have a child with. I have my own business. Um, and yet, here I am again. I'm homeless. I have nowhere to go. Um, I go out. The people who were kind enough to take me in, uh, on a, don't, this is temporary. They're like, you can stay with us, you know. But they're like... Uh, like second night, I go out by myself to a bar, drink the way I drink, find what I need to find, and I show back up at their house. You want to know what the, one of the first story these people told me? I move in. Both of them, before they met each other, called the cops on roommates in college for smoking weed. And I'm looking at these people, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Oh no! How am I going to make this work? You know. Uh, and then I roll into the house 6 a.m. like that, you know? And uh, they're like, hey, you know, the next day, they're like, hey, man, uh, this isn't a halfway house, you know? So uh, if you want to do that, you can go somewhere else. But if you want a place to live, you, you can't do that anymore. Um, separated from my little girl, the threat of losing my business and my part-time job, I'm really skating on thin ice on having a place to live again. And I knew what I had to do. I had to go to a meeting. And I went in, and I had a lot of those same feelings, man, that I'd had leading up to that point about trying to get back in this room. I didn't want to be there. But I wanted to be there more than I wanted to leave, obviously, because I stayed. And at the end of the meeting... They asked, you know, who's burning desire? And my hand shot right up, and I was like, me, my name's Tim, I'm an alcoholic, and I want to drink. Um, and then, you know, here's AA saving my life again. The, the, the minute the meeting ended, the men in that group came and surrounded me. They grabbed me up. Uh, the first guy, he asked me, he said, do you have a sponsor? I said, you'll do. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And he sponsored me. He took me all the way through the steps. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, another difference this time too, is I didn't have the opportunity to go to treatment and have a therapist and have all of this support. You know, I was in the mess that I made. Thankfully now I'm grateful for that. Um, I've had to navigate a lot of stuff, uh, over the past year and change. Like I... Um, I had to go through custody battles uh, with my, my ex. Um, I've had five different sponsors, either through relapse, relocation, whatever. Speaking of relocation, I've moved cities in this time. Um, I've found new employment, a brand new career. Um, a lot of changes. I got a two-year-old little girl. I mean, it's a, it's a handful. <laughs> but I'm doing these things 
and I'm capable of doing them and I'm showing up and not only am I getting it done, like I'm really getting it done. Like I'm a really good father. I know that I am. Well, what an amazing, amazing thing to be able to say today. I, ne- I you know, I didn't have that. Uh... I have a lot of responsibility at work and a lot of people look up to me for guidance and direction and not just as it relates to, to things at work. Um, people want to be around me. My mother's in town right now. I have a great relationship with my mom. She's watching my little girl so I can come out here and do this, you know? Um, I have a, a much better relationship today with my ex um, and believe me, if you had seen it even just six months ago, uh, I mean, it's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real bad. Um, you know, resentment over that, uh, especially in the beginning. I mean, I didn't know how I was ever going to make it. And, uh, you know, and those are all like external things that are really awesome today, Right. But none of those things mean anything at all if I'm not all right in between my ears and in my heart and in my soul because I've gone through it. I did it the first time around sobriety. I had a lot of good things going for me. I built that structure up and I swear to God, I pulled it down. And this time I have all those things and I wish I could tell you that leading up to that relapse, uh, you know, and the first period of sobriety, everything was just magical and brand new. And that's not been my experience this time at all. I have had to scratch and claw my way through this thing, man. I mean, there have been periods where I can't get the thought, uh, not, not alcohol, not using, but a thought or a thing or a situation out of my head and mind because I'm clinging to it because I still have that need to control it or figure it out. And, uh, you know, Noreen mentioned, uh, and I do, I talk about emotional sobriety in here a lot because that's that for me is, that's that is the illness. You know, that's the ism for me, man. When I, I don't, it's, it's, I, it's when I am unable to turn something over, uh, anything, um, it starts to reverberate off the inside of my skull like a fucking canyon until the echo gets louder and louder and louder and I can hardly function, you know? Um, but today, right now, um, I don't struggle with that. I have a great sponsor, someone I love and trust, who I did a 110% honest and thorough four-step with. And let me tell you, leading up to it, I'd heard people talk about how hard four-steps were. Sewer steps are so hard. I'm on my four-step. I'm like, what the fuck? Just write, you did it. Write it down. <laughs> Motherfucker, you were there. Like, write it down. Uh, but this time, I, you know, I had, like I said, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll cast judgment before I, I, you know, I think I've experienced something. You know, and then I really get it. And then I, and then, and then, I, and then now I, I realize, you know, do, do I ever? Do you ever really? You know, there's always room for growth, right? Hopefully, there better be. So today I have sponsees. I work the steps with my sponsor. I go to meetings regularly. I try and get outside of myself. 
Um, and apart from having more emotional sobriety in my life than I've ever had, you know, some of the things that I can't put a price tag on is when I lay my head down at night to go to sleep, I can go right to sleep. I don't have that fucking running. You know, I can be present with whoever I'm with. I'm capable of it now. It doesn't always happen, but I'm, I have that. I can access it. Um, I feel peace and quiet more than I ever had in my life. Uh, my sponsor said that real sobriety has a sound. And it's... <laughs> it's quiet, you know? Um, he always tells me one of the things you can do to check yourself at the beginning of a meeting to see where you're at is that moment of silence right before the serenity prayer. Get quiet. Really take that moment of silence and see how quiet you are. You know? That's why in the big book, you take that hour after your fourth step, you know, or after your fifth step. If it's still real loud, you may have some things you need to go walk back in there and talk to your sponsor about. You know, I walked out this time, it was real quiet. And I knew, you know. Um, I'll leave you guys with this. The things that have worked for me time and again um, is getting honest, honest with some fucking body, hopefully a sponsor, about my actual mental and emotional condition on a regular basis. I have to reach out and get outside of myself. I heard once that secrets keep you sick, and my God, that has been abundantly true in my life. Um, anything I harbor, it grows and grows and grows. Resentment, lies, whatever. I have a sponsor. I work the steps. I go to the meetings regularly. And, uh, you know, that's it. So. Yeah.